This episode of Talking Home Renovations is sponsored by BQE, the makers of BQE Core. BQE Core is a software that makes it easy to manage your project and people for maximum productivity and ultimate profitability. You are listening to Talking Home Renovations with a House Maven. Is it time to renovate your house, but you're worried that you don't really know what you're doing? This is an educational and entertaining podcast that will ease your fears. Or maybe you just love hearing about home renovations like I do. I am your host, Catherine McPhail. I am an architect. I practice in Eastern Massachusetts. On the show, I interview other architects, vendors, contractors, and homeowners to gather tips and stories about home renovations. You can learn about materials, systems, sustainable practices, what to expect, what to avoid, and how to make the most of the money that you'll spend on your renovation. Welcome to episode 100 of Talking Home Renovations with the House Maven. Can you believe it? 100. Well, officially. It's really like 106, but this is episode number 100. I'm looking forward to what's coming up next. I personally got a renovation in my future, and you know you're going to hear about that one. I'll actually be putting together a limited episode podcast about that project, and I'll let you know more about that as it comes along. But in planning my next project, my upcoming project, I was doing research on going all electric and I found an article in the Boston Globe from August of 2021 about the issues that Massachusetts is having in meeting their goal to have 1 million all electric homes by the year 2030. My guest for this episode was Ben Butterworth, who was mentioned in the article as finding resistance from contractors to taking his house all electric, but in the end, he did achieve his goal, and he agreed to speak with me from the perspective of a homeowner. Ben Butterworth has been working in the clean energy and climate policy space for the past decade, and he currently serves as a senior manager of climate and energy analysis at Acadia Center based in their Boston office. Acadia Center is a nonprofit advocacy organization whose mission is to advance bold, effective, and equitable clean energy solutions for a livable climate and a stronger, more equitable economy. Ben's work includes managing and conducting research and analysis in support of Acadia Center's initiatives and state implementation efforts on topics including energy efficiency in buildings, electrification of buildings, and the phase-out of the Northeast reliance on natural gas. So we seem like... You seem like the perfect person to talk to about this subject. Here is our conversation. Ben, welcome to the show, and thank you for coming on. Thanks, Catherine. Yeah, thanks for having me. I'm happy to be here. You're a guy who knows what you're talking about when it comes to energy, right? Well, first of all, I guess, tell me what it means to be um, make your house all electric. Yeah, good question. Um, so, yeah, so basically, like, when you look at how do we decarbonize our economy and then more specifically how do we decarbonize our buildings so you know reduce greenhouse gas emissions in our buildings you got to really look at how we use energy in our buildings so we use the most energy in our buildings especially in homes um, heating the buildings um, we also use quite a bit of heat of uh, energy um, on water heating and on cooking um, and that's in addition to kind of electric use uh, for you know anything you plug in or if you have an electric oven or that type of thing. So we have a way to decarbonize electricity, right? Everyone knows we have wind and we have solar. And if we kind of continue to build wind and solar, we can get to decarbonize electricity. And that's kind of one of the more straightforward pieces of the overall decarbonization puzzle. But one of the trickier pieces is, you know, what do we do with the fossil fuel equipment in our homes, whether it be space heating, furnace, boiler, water heating, 
um, or cooking, you know, with gas stoves. And that's where, you know, building electrification comes in, right? So if we can switch those appliances over to electric appliances, and we can also kind of continue to build renewable electricity generation sources and wind and solar, um, then we can, we have a pathway to decarbonizing our, our homes. Yeah. I mean, that makes total sense, right? And so, but it seems like there are some hurdles in the way of actually getting this done. And one of them as like in the article that I read that you were in was about having contractors, have everybody be on the same page about what is actually um, available now for technology. I mean, so especially with heat pumps, which I still run into a lot of people who say you have to keep both. You can't, it's not going to deal with our cold temperatures. Yeah, it, it is challenging. There's a number of kind of different issues. One of them is kind of kind of a historical prejudice against heat pumps. Like, you know, the heat pumps that were around in the 70s and the 80s and the 90s, they weren't really well suited for operating in colder climates. Um, so a lot of folks had bad experiences with that kind of previous generation of the technology. Um, you know, they were kind of inefficient. They didn't operate well in cold climates, et cetera. Um, but the technology's really changed, especially in the last 10 to 15 years. And that's why you're seeing kind of more talk about these cold climate heat pumps, which, you know, are more than capable of serving as the only heating source, even in, you know, really cold places like Massachusetts, Maine. You know, I live in a 1938 colonial north of Boston. Um, it's not the most airtight or insulated house by any means. It's, it's okay. It's pretty good. Um, but air source heat pumps are the only source of heat in my homes. But you still have a lot of contractors that are kind of hesitant um, to go with air source heat pumps because they're, you know, they're more familiar with the gas boilers and furnaces. Um, and they also might have kind of memories of the heat pumps um, from the 80s and the you know early 90s that didn't work um, as well as the modern ones we have now. Okay. So you decided you were going to do this with your house. And did you put a heat pump in every room or did you get a duct? less system or a ducted system? What, what happened? What did, what was your plan? Yeah. So I, I bought this house in the summer of 2020. Um, and in a lot of ways, it was sort of the perfect candidate for an all electric home. It had a older boiler, um, sorry, oil boiler system that was about 22 years old. Um, so it's always hard to predict when those are going to die, but you know, when your boiler is about, you know, 20 plus years old, that's usually, you know, it could kind of die on you at any moment. So it's kind of good timing from that perspective. It's always the most cost effective to kind of replace or convert to all electric heat when your current system is it just died or is, is about to die. Um, so that was number one. Mm -hmm. and the, the home also didn't have air conditioning in every room. It had some of those, uh, they're, they're referred to as through wall air conditioning units. They're basically a, a big window AC unit, but they you know cut a hole in the wall. Um, so it had a mm -hmm. giant one of those in the kind of main living room area and then a smaller one in the master bedroom. Um, but that still left a number of the rooms in the home. Um, without air conditioning. So it, so I kind of luckily was in a kind of situation where it's pretty cost effective, where you're using oil, which is kind of the most expensive, oil and propane are the most expensive heating fuels, and, and you don't have AC. And, you know, the beauty of heat pumps is that they provide air conditioning and heating. Um, so I did go and install um, ductless mini splits in every room in my house. My house doesn't have any pre-existing ductwork. So like if you had a, a furnace that is pushing hot air through your house as a primary means of heating, then you would have existing ductwork. But my house was oil radiator heated. So it's, a, it's referred to as a hydronic mm -hmm. system. So the oil is heating water and then it's going through radiators in your house. Um, but that means you don't have any ductwork. So 
usually kind of with older homes like that, a, a ductless system is really your best option. Um, if you do already have pre-existing ductwork um, through a forced air heating system or a cooling system, then you can install kind of a centralized uh, heat pump that can use that pre-existing ductwork. Okay, so now since you have one in every room of the house, do you have those pipes or the kind of like the PVC, the white PVC pipes running all along the outside of your house? Yeah, I I know people complain about that. I do. Um, I don't mind them too much aesthetically. I have kind of a a yellow house with white trim um, and then the PVC pipes are white as well. So it's kind of the same color as the trim and it's the same color as, you know, my like drain pipes running down the side of the house. Um, And there's... Mm -hmm. Contractors who know what they're doing can be kind of creative with how to hide them. Um, you know, for example, you'll often see no one, almost no one has them on the front of their house. Um, they're usually on the sides mm-hmm. and the backs and they can do creative things like, um, you know, one of my compressors is if you're looking at my house, it's on the left side and the two lines run straight up into my attic, unfinished attic, and then they run all the way through my attic and then they kind of drop down on the other side of the house. So you can get creative with stuff like that. So it's like, oh, I don't want a compressor on the right side of my house. So let's run the lines through the unfinished attic. And then they kind of pop out on the right side, that type of thing. Um, And you can hide them in the back and kind of conceal them in in spots where they're less kind of obvious or not right next to the patio or that type of thing. So tell me what happened when you decided to go all electric. Yeah. um, So I think I think the first step that's important to keep in mind is you want to make sure your house is as efficient as possible uh, before you kind of say, let's install some heat pumps. So, you know, in my case, the previous owners had luckily done some efficiency work through MassSave, which is the you know utility sponsored energy efficiency program in Massachusetts. And they've done Mm -hmm. kind of some of the most important stuff. So insulation in the attic and air sealing. Um, insulation in the in the basement and air sealing, and then you know making sure kind of your doors and windows are as tight as possible through weatherization. Those kind of like strips under your doors to make sure there's not air just kind of gushing out from under your doors and that type of thing. So some fairly um, kind of basic measures that most energy efficiency programs cover. Um, so that's like kind of step number one is like making sure your house is as efficient as possible. Um, when it came to the actual heat pump installations, I was lucky in that, like, right when I moved to Melrose, Massachusetts, which is where I live now, um, they were participating in a program known as Heat Smart, um, which is essentially like a bulk buy program that a number of um, cities in Massachusetts have participated in, where basically the city sends out an RFP, um, they get bids from contractors, they select who they think is the most qualified HVAC contractor to install heat pumps. And then they get mm. kind of as many people in the community to sign up for heat pump installations as possible. And this helps bring down the installed cost a bit, um, you know, because the contractor has a kind of number of guaranteed projects in that town because they are the kind of selected um, contractor. But but me being me, you know, I'm the type of person for a big project like that, I'm going to get, you know, a number of quotes. Um, so I didn't want to just go with the, you know, contractor who was selected by the town, even though I thought they looked pretty good. Um, but I also just wanted to talk mm-hmm. to some other contractors and get their opinions and their thoughts. And, you know, there's different ways to set up, set up these systems, different ways to run the lines, um, different, n- different contractors will recommend different numbers of compressors or different size compressors or that type of thing. So it's helpful to get a few different people's opinions. Um, but yeah, like one thing I found in what was mentioned in the Globe article was that, you know, I talked to five contractors and, 
the one who was selected um, for the Heat Smart program in Melrose, you know, they had no reservations with the heat pumps being my only source of space heating in the winter. Um, but all, all four of the other contractors had kind of varying levels of concerns um, with that, kind of ranging from no, you absolutely cannot do it to I would really not recommend that approach type of thing. Mm. Um, basically, they were recommending. Yeah. Uh, keeping a fossil fuel backup system to use on the colder days of the winter. Mm -hmm. You know, when you talk to five people like that and you get five different responses, how do you know which one which one to trust? I mean, I sometimes they, I mean, people who say, oh, absolutely, you cannot do that. It's like they have such conviction that you feel like, oh, well, maybe, maybe they're right. And that would be the safer bet to go with them because if I don't pick the right, you know, if I pick the one who says, oh, it's fine, then I won't have heat. You know what I mean? So it seems like, how do you know who to trust in that situation? Just that that's just a, your opinion. I don't, you don't have the answer. Yeah. It's, it's a really challenging situation. And, you know, I'm fortunate that I kind of work in this energy and climate policy business. You know, I've worked with, you know, engineers who have, you know, installed heat pumps in their own homes and that type of thing. So I was I was confident talking to the people I've worked with previously and just having exposure to this topic professionally that, you know, I could have it as my only heating source, um, you know, and I, I knew I, I would get some pushback from contractors because I know other folks who have gone through this process and have done that similar pushback. Um, so I was kind of yeah. like fortunate to be in that position and have, you know, really smart people to talk to at my disposal. Um, but it, it's a major problem because most people, you know, don't have that network or that professional background. And so, you know, a lot of people right. are just going to trust, you know, what the first contractor tells them. Um, and, a, and a lot mm -hmm. of, I'd say the majority of contractors in the Northeast right now aren't really embracing heat pumps as the only, as, as a solution, as the only heating source in a home. Um, mm -hmm. So that's, you know, that's, that's troubling to me. And it's, it's a real barrier that we have to kind of like overcome um, to really get to the level of heat pump deployment that we need to be at. What is that number? It's pretty high based on the progress that's being made, I think. Yeah, I'm, I'm forgetting the, the number off the top of my head. I think, you know, there's a goal yeah. around like an electrification of a million homes. I believe by 2030 mm -hmm. is the target date. Um, yeah, there's like 461 or something so far. Is that the number? Yeah, like, it's something along those lines. Number. It's um, there's there's a lot of homes that have installed heat pumps, but the number of homes who are using it as their only source of heating is way way lower than I think it. I think from Sabrina Shankman's article in the Globe, it was something around that like four sixty number of homes that are using air yeah. source heat pumps as their only uh, source of heating. Yeah. And now a word from our sponsor. Systems and standard operating procedures. You already know that's how to build a profitable business and find the freedom you want. You need systems and procedures, but you struggle with choosing which systems you need most and how to implement those systems quickly so you can get back to doing what you love most. The Designing Your Business Masterclass series was created by acclaimed architect and business consultant Douglas Teeger, FAIA, to help fellow architects and engineers run their firms more profitably while maintaining a healthy work-life balance. Douglas grew from a solo practitioner to become managing partner of his 30-plus person firm and then later sold his firm so he can do what he does today helping architects be more successful at Teager Consulting. On the third Wednesday of every month, Douglas dives deep into an essential topic that will strengthen the profitability of your firm and make it sustainable for growth in the years to come. 
Register now for the next Designing Your Business Masterclass with Douglas Teeger at bqe.com slash masterclass and start implementing powerful systems for the profitability you need and the freedom you want. Every live masterclass session includes AIA continuing education credit. And when you visit bqe.com slash masterclass, you'll have access to the full library of past sessions on demand. The Designing Your Business Masterclass is free and is brought to you by our friends at BQE, the makers of BQE Core, the software that makes it easy to manage your projects and people for maximum productivity and ultimate profitability. Register now for the next Designing Your Business Masterclass at bqe.com masterclass. That's bqe.com masterclass. Now back to our conversation. How do you think they go with a historic home? You could still maybe incorporate that without being too obvious on the outside. Yeah, I mean, to be clear, you can see some stuff from the outside, right? So I have, you know, I have a pretty big house and a, a whole a whole home heating system. So I have three separate compressors, which are basically big fans. Mm-hmm. So um, maybe three yep. feet by three feet by like a foot deep boxes, basically. But you know you can you can put them in places you know you don't have to put them in in the front of your home they're you know they're off to the right. side of my house they're behind like a bush like you can barely even see them from the street yeah sure um, and then you're gonna have the um, you know the coolant lines running up the side of your house depending on you know where you're running the lines obviously if you're running it to a second or third floor room like the lines are gonna be longer they're gonna run higher on your um, on your building mm-hmm. they're gonna be a little more kind of obvious to the naked eye. Yeah. Um, but again, you don't have to have them on the front of your house and you'll, you'll almost never see a line actually running on the front of something like that. So uh, yeah. luckily, but can you put those on the inside? Could you build a chase on the inside and not have to have them on the outside? Yeah, you can do that. And I have seen uh, some examples of that. Um, it just gets more kind of complicated and costly kind of depending on, mm-hmm. on what else you're doing in the house. <laughs> yeah. Um, Obviously, yeah, it's pretty right. And then, and then, like you know, the cheapest way to do it on the inside, right, is to have the kind of line running just along your wall. But that's not necessarily aesthetically pleasing if you you know have the uh, kind of PVC line running across your living room, right? So uh, most most people, <laughs> right. but like yeah, if you're trying to like snake it through like closets and that type of thing, you know, it it can like drive up costs and get more complicated. Um, you know, you get you get into that like interior yeah. work and finishing and plaster and all that all that good stuff. It's true. All right. Well, uh, how many do you have? So I have three compressors running to eight indoor units. Um, so I have, I have, you know, three floors of my home. So I have a, a finish, a small finished basement room that has one indoor unit. And then I have three units on my first floor, which is kind of like a partially open concept first floor. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we have four bedrooms on the second floor. And so each bedroom has its own unit. So yeah, four mm-hmm. on the second floor, three on the first and then one in the basement. Okay. So basically if, if a door closes in the room, you're probably going to have just one for that room because you need to have a source in that space, basically. Yeah, exactly. Um, it's interesting. You can, I think for some smaller bedrooms, you can get away with just not having a unit in there altogether. And it basically just relying on the, on the waste heat from mm. the other bedrooms. Sometimes if you have like a really small bedroom, it, it is kind of like overkill to yeah. even give it its own unit. So that's one thing I've seen kind of like some debate and conversation over. But mm. yeah, generally you're going to have want to have one kind of for each sectioned off room. Let's get back to the contractors for a second. So when you mentioned contractors, are they HVAC subcontractors or general contractors or both? Yeah, HVAC contractors. Um, and the one I ended up going with, you know, all they do is install 
uh, ductless mini splits. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's that's their bread and butter. They're kind of one of the larger heat pump installers in Massachusetts. All the other companies I spoke with, you know, it's a portion of their business, um, and they're usually installing it for folks who are using it for cooling purposes. Um, but they're also installing kind of you know conventional heating equipment like gas boilers, oil boilers, furnaces, etc. Right. So the people who are only doing the ductless will probably be more likely to just install it and then remove your other. Do they remove the other, the old, the old system too, or? Yeah. So they, they subcontracted out to, that's like a, that's just like a business in itself. It's like an oil tank removal company. Mm -hmm. Um, So they actually, so a plumber comes in and actually kind of like disconnected uh, my boiler um, and drains all the pipes um, and makes sure, you know, you don't want like water staying in the pipes that can freeze or leak. So they drain all the pipes, they kind of seal off um, all the pipes, they disconnect the boiler. And then a separate kind of subcontractor company comes in and all they do is oil tank removal and they they took the boiler as well. Okay. And the radiators? They must have removed all the radiators from the house. I actually, I left all the radiators in place. I have um, the ones that are kind of built into the walls. Oh, okay. Um, so it, it would be a pretty big project, uh, like finish work wise to like repair all the walls. And I also left them in place in case like somewhere down the line, it makes sense to install a water-based heat pump system. Mm. Um, So you could actually potentially reuse the pipes and the radiators. Um, There's technology that exists that's called an air to water heat pump, where instead of air to air, you know, it's it's taking the ambient air, uh, heating water, and then, you know, you could potentially run those, uh, that heated water through your radiators. This, that's like a, pretty novel technology on the residential side of mm. things. Um, and it's not widely deployed yet, but I think, you know, it could kind of catch some momentum in the next yeah. 10, 20 years. So I just, I left the radiators in place uh, just in case. That's what I'm looking for, actually, because I feel like there must be an easier way to not to heat the water electrically somehow rather than with gas. Yeah. But, um, what about geothermal? Did you look into anything like that? Like the ground um, source instead of the air source heat pumps? Yeah, I, I thought about it briefly. Um, you know, the folks I talked to are pretty knowledgeable on this topic. You know, they just said, yes, ground source heat pumps are more efficient, but it's a more costly and more invasive um, installation process. Yeah. You know, a lot of times you have to like rip up your entire yard and the upfront cost can be really high with ground source heat pumps That's true. Um, systems. Um, they're already pretty high with the air source heat pump system. So yeah, it just, it didn't really kind of pencil out. And in, in my case, it just made more sense to go with the air source. In in new construction, um, a lot of the times the ground source heat pump can make more sense, but with the existing building stock, it, it often makes more sense to go with the air source system. Okay. So I, I want to go back to the contractors again. I'm all over the place today, but did you argue with the ones who said, no, you couldn't do it? Did you try, not argue, but did you try to say, well, actually you can for this and that reason? Or did you just say, okay, thanks for coming over? Yeah, I didn't really argue. You know, if 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 there's a contracting company that, you know, kind of flat out says we can't, it can't work as the only source of heating, that's not really a company I want to well, work yeah. with. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, but I, I didn't, <laughs> I didn't like feel like I was compelled to kind of change their mind on the topic. Hmm. Um, so yeah, I didn't, I didn't really get into it with them, but yeah. Oh, okay. See, I think I wouldn't be able to resist <laughs> trying to tell them what I know. Um, but you have to be confident in what you know, because as I said, these, sometimes people can really seem like they know what they're, that they're right, you know, that they know what they're talking about. 
Uh, do you have any advice for people who are trying to go through this themselves or? Yeah, what would the advice be? So I think, um, like I said at the top, do as much energy efficiency as possible before you even consider electrification. Um, I think figure out, you know, what the status of your current heating system is, right? If you have a two-year-old gas boiler, it's going to be a lot different situation than if you have a you know 20-year-old gas boiler that's about to die. Mm-hmm. Um, you really want to come up with a plan to have in place for when your system is either dies or is about to die. Um, because it's, it's hard, you know, a lot of times these heating systems will die in February. Um, and you know, the, the solution is what's, what's the heating system that's on the truck that can be installed tomorrow. Exactly. You know, so, yeah. I, so my house, so my house isn't freezing. Um, so that timing can be really tricky, right? So sometimes that means kind of replacing your heating system while it's still operating, but it's old and, and you think it's kind of on its last legs. And that way you have the time to kind of plan, um, create a, a reasonable plan for your heat pump installation. And, and another thing is making sure um, the contractor you're working with is doing load calculations. So mm-hmm. um, I won't get into the details, but there's there's a calculation called the manual J calculation, which basically determines how much heating capacity your home needs. And this is really critical to do for heat pump installations. So any reputable contractor you work with should be doing a manual J calculation. Um, a lot of the problems with heat pump installs run into either oversizing or undersizing the system. Um, so you want to get the sizing just right. And to get the sizing right, you know, the, the contractor really has to do the math. Um, and that those manual J calculations, they, they take into consideration a number of factors, like what, are, what type of windows does your home have? What level of insulation? Um, how high are the ceilings? All these kind of different variables that will determine how to size the system properly. Um, and the last thing I'd say is make sure um, you have someone reputable look at your electric panel before you do an upgrade. You want to make sure you have enough space on your electric panel. Is your electric panel modern enough to accommodate? Um, a, you're adding a lot of electric load to your system, right? Yeah. Um, so you want to make sure the panel is in proper shape because a lot of the times with these installations, you know, towards the end, they say, oh, we have to replace your electric panel because it's it's old or it's not large enough. And that can really drive up the cost. Um, so it's something you want to have a handle on from the get go of the project um, before you you find yourself in the middle installation. Are you saying you'll have to replace it anyway, but you can budget for it? Is that what you're saying? No, not in all instances. Um, so the first thing you want to determine is like, do you have a hundred amp service or do you have two hundred amp service? If you have a hundred amp service and you're looking to electrify your whole home, you're probably going to need a service upgrade in a lot of cases to two hundred amps. So two hundred amps—that's just like the total amount of electricity that's running to your house. Mm-hmm. And so you'll have a different panel for a two hundred amp setup than a hundred amp setup. Um, but in a lot of cases, you know, homes will have. A 200 amp setup already and so in those cases a lot of the homes are ready to go all electric so part of that is just understanding kind of like what panel you have what how much service how much electric service is running to your house etc um so you can okay. better understand like if there will be kind of costs uh, related to that for the heat pump installation do you have solar panels on your house i'm about to install solar panels and that's another important thing to think about it really helps offset the costs of the heat pumps running, especially in the winter. Um, So like the system I'm installing in my house, I'm lucky in that I have a large south facing roof with, you know, not a lot of tree obstacle shading. 
Um, so I'm installing a pretty large system that is going to basically way over generate in the spring, summer, and fall. Mm-hmm. Um, and because we're lucky in Massachusetts and we have what's known as net energy metering, I can sort of bank that excess generation that I pr- produce in the spring, winter, and uh, spring, summer, and fall, sorry, and then apply it to my higher electric winter bills. Um, so yeah, that's that's kind of my plan, and it's it's a great combination if you're able to do both the heat pump installation and solar on your roof. Um, yeah, can make it can make it cost effective. Yeah, because I mentioned this to my mother that I was planning on doing this, and you know, my mother's not always my um, my construction advisor, but she said, "Isn't electric? Isn't that just the most expensive way you can heat your house?" But I think that might be the way people are still thinking. I know that in Massachusetts we have a lot of uh, we have the option in a lot of towns to opt in one hundred percent to renewable. Is it that much more expensive than oil or or gas, electric? Yeah, it's a good question. Um, I don't have a direct comparison for my house because I did this project as soon as I moved in. I was like, "Uh uh-oh, this oil boiler is on its last legs. I'm going to replace it right now. Um, So I don't have a direct comparison for my home. And it will really kind of vary from home to home. But we do have expensive electricity in Massachusetts. So Mm -hmm. on like a per energy unit basis, electricity in Massachusetts is more expensive than natural gas or, or even heating oil or propane. Um, but then on the flip side, the heat pumps are so much more efficient at using energy to produce heat um, that that's what they have going in their favor. Um, so a lot of the times it comes out pretty close. You know, there's the heat pumps are more efficient, but the electricity is more expensive, whereas the gas and oil systems are less efficient, but the fuel is a little cheaper. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, it usually comes out fairly even from what I've seen and just talking to folks. Um, but it's going to depend on your particular house, how insulated it is, how air yeah. sealed, et cetera. So. Yeah. And then also having energy efficient appliances and other things and not wasting electricity, just leaving your lights on all the time. Like my whole family does, for example, I mean, that does up your electricity consumption, you know? So I was reading an article about energy efficient homes that were made, I think on the vineyard and there were something like eight households and each one of them had different habits, like lifestyle habits that really very made their electric consumption, electricity consumption vary widely. So you have to be kind of cognizant of that too, if you're trying to save energy, right? You actually have to try to save energy in your daily life. Absolutely. And that you just reminded me of like another tip for folks is that these heat pump systems, they do operate differently than an oil or gas system. And one way they're different is that you really don't want to have what's known as really big setbacks at night. So with an oil or gas system, you know, you might set back your heat to 60 degrees at night and then kind of ramp it up to 70 first thing in the morning when you wake up. Mm-hmm. Um, you really want to avoid that with a heat pump. Um, I've actually programmed mine. They do have a bit of a setback at night, about three or four degrees. Mm-hmm. And then I've programmed them to slowly ramp up um, in the like early morning hours, basically one degree per hour, mm-hmm. um, because that's how they operate most efficiently. But you really want to avoid like setting it to 60 when you go to bed mm-hmm. and then waking up and just jacking it up to 70. Mm-hmm. Um, because that will actually kick the heat pumps into resistance heating mode, mm. um, which is their basically least efficient mode. Um, so that get back to your point about behavioral, um, you know, there's a behavioral element to this as well, right? It's not, these systems aren't going to be 
the same efficiency in every household. A lot of it depends on how the user is actually using the system. Yeah. And you can turn off the air conditioning in the summer, right? Obviously, you can turn off the system if you didn't want it in every room. Is oh, yeah. A lot of the days in the summer, we just, you know, turn off the whole system and, and have our windows open. Yeah. Well, Ben, I have taken enough of your time. Thank you. Thank you very much for sharing all your knowledge and experience doing it. Yeah. Th thanks so much for, for having me, Kevin. Thank you to BQE, the makers of BQE Core, for their support of this podcast episode. Visit bqe.com slash masterclass to register for the next Designing Your Business Masterclass. Thanks for listening. I hope you subscribe to this podcast. If you don't, please head over to wherever you get your podcasts and subscribe. And if you have time to write a review, that would be so helpful. Please contact me for any reason at thehousemaven at talkinghomerenovations.com. I love to hear from people. You can also join my Facebook group, which is Talking Home Renovations Together. And I'm on there with a bunch of people who have also been on the show, have been guests on the show, and other architects and homeowners and contractors. And so we can just talk about whatever issues people might have right there in the Facebook group. If you're on Clubhouse, come join me 10 a.m. Eastern, Saturday mornings. There is so much information on my website, which is TalkingHomeRenovations.com. Head over there for transcripts, episode enhancements, other information. You want to be a guest? That's where you'll find that information in the application. This podcast is a member of Gable Media, which is the largest AEC network on the planet. Check out the other content on the network at gablemedia.com. That's G-A-B-L-M-E-D-I-A.com. This podcast is a production of my architecture firm, Demios Architects, where we believe architects are for everyone. Until next time, take care.